0: The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that results from listening to this podcast.
1: This is the scream kings podcast i'm max george
2: and i'm nathaniel darkish
1: this is no podcast this is really happening speaking I don't know if of things I...
2: that are really happening
1: i don't, I don't know if i like my execution there
2: do you want to take another run at it
1: <laughs> no no i do not okay hello everyone the scream kings are back for a pretty exciting little announcement for us uh our podcast turned 5 years just a few weeks ago.
2: Yes. Um we were hoping to have a, a closer to the actual date release but you know, uh life continues to happen uh in yeah. in great uh quantities.
1: Holy moly, it's it's been a wild ride this third quarter of the year. Good grief.
2: Yeah, let's just say uh, just you, we're we're alive and we're podcasting, so you know, we're 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 not giving up. We're not throwing in the towel.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think we will. It's been pretty cool though to th- kind of take a moment and think back. Uh Nathaniel, you and I I remember the moment and the place where we decided to do this podcast. I think originally we had talked about doing like a horror blog, mm-hmm. right? Right at the kind of end of the blog era. I was at the hotel we used to both work at doing my nightly security shift and I was outside by the main convention center where we came up with the idea for Scream Kings, we came up with a name, and here we are, five years later. That's wild.
2: Yeah, that first episode, you know, came right on the tail of the first uh, it movie coming out. You know, we watched that and then recorded. And yeah, now now here we are. We have a whole bunch of episodes under our belt and had some really cool episodes. We've we've done some really cool things. Met some cool people. Uh, just you know, it's been wonderful being part of the horror and podcasting communities uh, online. And it's just it's pretty freaking fantastic. And so you know, we decided, hey, what better thing to do than you know have have a brief uh, reminiscence of uh, of some of our favorite moments, and then chase that down with uh, one of the all time great horror movies, Rosemary's Baby.
1: Oh, and one of my, whenever people ask for my favorite horror movies, this is definitely top five. I adore this movie so much. Yeah, me yeah. too. It's,
2: it's truly
1: very, very impressive.
2: But um, um, I want to hear some of your favorite moments over these last five years for the podcast.
1: Quick anecdote real quick. Wow. Yes. Um, I actually just rewatched the It movie that we started the podcast with just two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um my younger sister came over and we started watching that and she was horrified. Deeply terrified. She doesn't do horror movies very well. Um but yeah, it just it brought up all of these cool memories that this was the movie we started with and here we are, you know, eighty plus some odd episodes later, still doing our thing. Uh yeah. I love it. And in large part we owe it a lot to our listeners who've engaged with us online and bought merchandise for heaven's sakes and And have come on the show, even we wouldn't be here without you guys. You kind of are the fire that keeps Nathaniel and I going because life does get crazy. We lose the motivation, but we owe it to our listeners to use a cliche. Yes. And,
2: uh, you know, even though uh, life gets crazy whenever we record an episode, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Sure is.
1: All right, some of my favorite moments that I can think of. uh, You actually have this written down as one of your own, but I'm going to steal it. (gasps) Uh, The Nauvoo House with Rachel. I I think that is our most downloaded, most listened to episode for very good reasons. Uh,
2: It's it's our most downloaded by so many ridiculous orders (laughs) of magnitude. It's Um, truly like it makes every other episode seem like we have no listeners in comparison not to say that we have no listeners i'm just saying holy crap we have so many downloads of that one episode
1: yeah if you have not listened to it definitely check it out it's honestly one of the scariest like authentic spooky story that i've ever heard i consume a lot of horror content as do you nathaniel and of course still thinking about rachel's experience there at that house gives me the goosebumps Yes, and
2: uh, that is episode 25 for anyone who uh, might be flipping through their feed going, wait, uh, what episode is that one? <laughs> um, yeah, so a real-life haunting that was, oh, so, so fascinating to to hear all of the ins and outs. Plus, you know, we, we get the, the wonderful Rachel Smith on, on the podcast, who is just a delightful human being, one of my favorite people. So, you know, just... Great episode. So, yeah, that, that one is definitely a high point for us.
1: Yeah, another few things. I love that the podcast now kind of hosts our annual Halloween horror movie a thon where we start watching horror movies at the crack of dawn and go to the crack night. Mm-hmm. Um, I become one with my couch, and it's just a really great day <laughs> filled with garbage food and wonderful movies. Yes, uh, and and also garbage movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have a, a hot mix of everything. But other specific episodes that I really, really loved, uh, Charlie Conlon was on the show. He did an episode about sleep paralysis. Uh, he has an excellent, excellent podcast that everyone should listen to. It's very un- unnerving, very great. Uh, it's called Knowing My Nightmare. And a few others, the Grady Hendrix episode. Oh, my God. Uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism, a movie that will be coming out within a few days. Yes. Gr- Grady, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> well, I mean, last time I spoke with him in
2: person, because, you know, that is is a thing I, I've now done. Uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I'll be back on for sure. So, uh, you know, more Grady Co- Hendrix content uh, to come.
1: Yeah, Grady, we love you. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed our alien debate that we had with two of my uh, prior coworkers, Kiara and Shannon. Kiara's also been on the show for our little uh, lush and seething hell episode, but that alien debate I just thought was so fun uh, to have two true believers kind of talking about why they believe and and being willing to kind of challenge their thoughts. That was really cool. How about you? Um, I mean.
2: Recently we had, you know, definitely a, a big highlight episode. Uh just, you know, the, the episode we, we just had with Rebecca Klingle and um Jamie Flanagan. That was a lot of fun. I mean it's it's one of those like as I go through our, our feed, especially like any time we've had, you know, any guests, I'm just like, Oh, but that one's one of my favorites. But that one's one of my favorites. So that one's just, you know, obviously fresh on my mind. It was it was amazing and wonderful but i mean i i I can gush about literally all of our guests, but yeah, that one was definitely a really cool highlight just because I think you know we're such intense ravenous fans of of some of the things that they worked on um I don't know we just we've we've had so many friggin rad guests that I just have been shocked have been you know not only willing but excited and and to to be on the on the podcast it's it's just great. Like I love having um, so many like new friends in the horror community. Uh, you know, some people that I have been able to spend some time with at things like StokerCon or things like that, uh, or you know, even just you know, sending each other tweets on, on Twitter and sending each other you know stupid memes and stuff. It's great. I love it.
1: I don't know. We
2: we're just we're just uh, privileged.
1: I think it would be remiss to talk about too our hereditary episodes. Oh yeah. To talk to film creators of our you know, favorite horror movie. That was that for me was one of those moments where it's like, whoa, we have something here. We yeah. we aren't just, you know, shooting the shit as they like to say. We we had film creators on the show and that was a real turning point for, for me for the show. That was awesome.
2: Yeah, it almost gave us permission to, to ask people to, to be on the show more. And, and, yeah, again, like most people say yes. Or if they can't, then they're like super cool about it and are, are still a delight to interact with. So,
1: Yeah. Thank you all. It's been a wonderful five years of spook. Here's to five more. I have a, a beaker full of cinnamon whiskey that I will clink in the air for all who are listening.
2: Air clink. Should we uh, switch gears to one of the uh, truly great horror movies?
1: Yes, before we dive too far into Rosemary and her baby. Paramount Pictures presents Mia Farrow in a William Castle production, Rosemary's Baby. Co-starring
0: John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer, Morris Evans, and Ralph Bellamy. Written for the screen and directed by Roman Polanski from the best-selling novel by Ira Levin. Suggested for mature audiences.
1: we definitely need to kind of address the elephant in the room when it comes to this film. Um, Yes. And that elephant is named Roman Polanski.
2: And by elephant, we mean, uh, just nightmare douchebag monster.
1: Yeah. Um, we do not support Roman Polanski in anything he does. He is a garbage man and not, sorry, he is a garbage person. (laughs) We, 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 uh, we
2: love and support, the garbage collecting community <laughs>
1: exactly
2: thank but you yeah, for yeah. your service but roman polanski <laughs> you suck you are a human might
0: you being. might
2: have made a great movie but you are a bad person and uh, uh hopefully history forgets you but while remembering I, this great movie
1: i can fully support and endorse the art that you have created and hold space to know that you are a monster um we are evolved human beings. We can hold two different opinions in the same hand.
2: And if it helps, you know, I, I, I really do like that we can look at this and say, you know, thankfully film is this very collaborative art form. And so it's not yes. just his art. In fact, it was many, many, many people's art. Um, you know, whether that, you know, be the the grips who are... You know, making sure that things are, you know, where they need to be, so so the sound and the lighting is working right, all the way to, you know, the acting, the uh, cinematographers, everything. So you know, hey, lots of really cool, or at least you know, decent or not horrifying, uh, people were also involved in this project. We appreciate their good work in making a great movie. Roman Polanski, you can suck it.
1: Yeah, you're. You're a butthead. Um, it is pretty interesting to me, though, that he was dating Sharon Tate, and she happened to be one of the sad victims of the Manson murders. That kind of blew my mind when I found that out.
2: Yeah, she was uh, pregnant with his baby
0: at the time.
1: Yeah, being uh, murdered. It's one of those things that I knew, but then you just don't keep that in your wet reservoir of memories, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I was like, "Oh wait, this was this was Manson." So anyway. That is Max forgetting about cultural references.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you know, who wants to think about Roman Polanski? Yeah.
1: And Manson.
2: Oh, yeah. Another garbage human being.
1: (laughs) Moving on from garbage human beings, let's talk about sweet little Mia Farrow and how she is a vision in this film.
2: Yes. Um... So, I mean, Rosemary's Baby is just like a truly masterful film. Like the the acting, the uh the the, the way that the script is put together, um the pacing, you know,
1: the, 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 the art.
2: Yeah, just like it's it's so well constructed. The scares are are there, but are, you know, the, the, the story does such a good job of, you know, kind of taking that very real, uh, very visceral fear that, that one would feel in this kind of situation and, and really making us experience what Rosemary experiences. It's, it's just a truly masterful, masterful film in that way.
1: Yeah, it's a horror movie that has inspired countless of other horror stories, right? This is yeah. kind of your, you know, to be reductive, it is a story about a woman who is becomes isolated, the people around her become strangers, and she's pregnant, and she doesn't know what's going on, she's concerned about the baby's life. Overall, it's a fairly simple approach, but just the artwork that is... Given to us through Rosemary's Baby is a masterpiece. It's a work of horror art, um, and like I said at the beginning of our show, it's it's one of like my top five horror films, and I would love to kind of dive into that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I guess my my kind of initial thing that I want to kind of highlight, other than just you know gushing about it in general, is that I think what makes this film work is that. If, like if if you know like like you said it's it's kind of a simple concept and and you know it's not just that Rosemary's you know pregnant it's that she's pregnant with the child of the devil right? Um, but that's
1: we don't know that though until the very very end realistically. I mean yeah, it's like know, it's played with it's hinted
2: at it's, you know that's the thing that we're afraid of. Um, but yeah, the that kind of story has been told and often is told in a way that is just campy and ridiculous and and it like doesn't give the subject matter it's it's due and i think you know when the book was being uh adapted i know that that was a thing that a a lot of people were concerned with because the book does do a really good job of you know capturing the same kind of feel um you know ira levin um who who wrote the book you know i i i was reading somewhere that that he you know definitely had some big concerns about hey are they going to actually like treat this with with respect and and that's what they did like they like they they took a very um serious approach to what could have been very campy but instead you know really kept it focused realistic you know it's about human emotion right it's about Fear. It's about confusion. It's about um, being overwhelmed by pregnancy and by a relationship that seems to be going south, and all of these kinds of things. Um, That's what made this work: is that it took the subject matter seriously, rather than just making this be a campy horror film. That you know, like, and and not that that's inherently a bad thing, but. That's what I think elevates it over a lot of other ones is that it really, really gave us a very deep, realistic portrayal of this kind of idea.
1: Yeah, it's the reason I think why I gravitate to this film so much is inherently, I think it can be, there's two sides of it for me as a, as a queer individual, I see a lot of queer symbolism coming through, um, an individual who is suffering through something that no one else really understands and other people are making decisions for that individual. Rosemary has very little autonomy in this film. And at the same time, the the opposite of that of course is feminism. And I did read an article where it talked a lot about how Rosemary's baby is all about abortion. That, you know, we're all worried about the baby being the Antichrist, but in reality, it's talking about how Rosemary wants to make decisions for her baby, and she has all of these men who are telling her what to do and how to do it and giving her things to do, and and she really has very little control throughout the entire film.
2: Yeah, well, and it's not even just the men, too. Like, it's, it's you know, uh, even uh, Minnie Castavette is, is also very much controlling her. You know, it's, it's basically everyone around her, um, you know, this, this older generation is controlling her, as well as her husband, as well as, you know, the, the devil who, who raped her, and, and all of these different things. Like these are all factoring in. You know so I, I like how, how complete of a picture it is. It's not just, you know, men control women. It's also that everyone can, can try to control and, and take away um, autonomy.
1: Yeah, and I think at the heart of it, it's about isolation. Yes. Um, Where Rosemary is this beautiful individual who is creating life, and all of a sudden the people around her are strangers. And the fear that we have when we're going through hard things in our lives, what do we do when there's no one else there? Um, What do we do when we are alone, when we don't know what we're doing, and when we feel like we can't do anything about that? And I I really like what you said, Nathaniel, about how it takes all of the subject matter very seriously. Um, The film was debuted in 1968, we're kind of on the cusp of the um, satanic panic, it would have been very easy for Polanski and his team to take this kind of demon idea and spin it in a character caricature, can never say that word right. Mm -hmm. Um but really kind of make it tongue in cheek and silly and you know, I think about Evil Dead or Poltergeist, these excellent horror movies, but there is a level of cheese, there is a level of camp, and had that been present in Rosemary's Baby, I don't think it would be as permanent and long lasting in our minds. It is hard to do Rosemary's Baby outside of this film. You know, you can remake Evil Dead, and you know, I love the remake, the remaster, whatever we want to call it. I have remake. not seen anything come close to the OG Rosemary's Baby. It is truly a classic.
2: Yeah, and later on I am going to briefly uh, address the mini series that was made. Um, I'm not going to say good things about it.
0: <laughs> Spoiler.
1: Um, I also, in that same vein, I really loved kind of the... You know, Rosemary is married to an actor. This actor moves into this hoity-toity hotel with the Castavets, and and things go down there. But it has this sense of like French fashion to it. Mm-hmm. It feels very vogue, very highfalutin' and fashionista. <laughs> um, and it, I don't know. There's something about that that feels sinister as well. That you have this kind of world of. The upper echelon and behind the scenes, they're all you know demon worshippers and propagating rape. I feel like that's a very common theme that we see nowadays with life. Yeah, and, and
2: along those Whether. lines, you know, I I actually can highlight just something that's. I mean, like you know, now that we know what we know about Roman Polanski and being a bad person, I find it very, very interesting that one of the main kind of Mastermind's behind Rosemary's assault and you know impregnation and all that is in fact someone whose name is Roman in the yeah, movie.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Well, what were you doing there, Roman? Were you were you confessing a little bit? Some some of your id coming out.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting.
1: Huh. Uh. Outside of that, I think the film is chock-full of symbolism. Yes. <laughs> and as an amateur demonologist, I love... It. it reminds me a lot of Hereditary, where demonology is not about cloven hooves and sulfur. It's about that slow, manipulative, insidious... Insidious? Wow, I can't talk today! Kind of horror. The pulling the strings the deception, all of these kind of machinations going on behind the screen. That's what demonology and what our Judeo-Christian idea of demons should be. I think it's very poignant that roses were seen throughout the entire film. Roses are often a symbol of love and romance, but also purity, uh, virginity, and kind of the ability to create. And so seeing those surrounded by Rosemary, who is of course named has rose within it, is also surrounded by this motif of innocence and virtue while she gets raped by the devil. Um, mm-hmm. There's kind of a, a sinister twist on the Immaculate Conception there.
2: Absolutely. And, and you know, that's definitely on purpose. You know, kind of showing this um, juxtaposition of of those two things really makes it
1: that much more horrific. I think also for a film that was created in the 60s a lot of times us us nowadays we think that old films aren't intense or old films aren't scary or they're not graphic enough you know we have this kind of illusion that times were better back then right Mm -hmm. um it's one of the more intense rape scenes that i've ever seen and this um, and this
2: is rated approved. This is you know, yeah. before the the modern rating system, but it was rated approved, meaning literally, you know, small children could have gone and seen this in theaters.
1: It kind of blows my mind a little bit, though, because everyone, you know, will give Game of Thrones, let's say, a hard time because they they tackle rape. There, are, you know, I can think of two or three rape scenes in that show. What I watched in Rosemary's Baby was much more graphic, much more illicit than anything Game of Thrones has done. Um, and whether you agree or disagree with me, there, that scene is is hard. It's tough to watch. Well, I I think what what makes it so effective is
2: that it doesn't show us everything. It lets a, it, it certainly plays off of our imagination in a lot of ways. Uh, in a in a way that makes it more upsetting. It's it's you know the same kind of principle of not showing us the monster. It it shows us enough to paint a really upsetting image in our own minds not that it it holds back from what it does show us but what what it doesn't show us is even worse
1: and really this is the kind of the the climactic moment of the horror for the movie for sure um before this and after this there's not a lot Uh, it's a tension build it's not so much in-your-face horror
2: yeah the 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 remaining horror is the horror of being gaslit or gaslighted sorry that's the actual past <laughs> tense of that word. Um which I do is a different kind of horror for sure.
1: And I, I did appreciate kind of what they were alluding to within this scene of, you know, a lot of the the Satanists, the cult members, I I don't want to call them Satanists because I fully support the Church of Satan. Uh <laughs> they they were wearing Catholic robes. They looked like Catholic priests. Catholicism played a pretty heavy role in this film. Not as a plot device, but as a way for this fiendish cult to mock kind of modern religion and how Mm -hmm. it can also be corrupt. And it it brought up an interesting question that I want to pose to you, Nathaniel, being a believer, and me not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of the horror that is portrayed here in *Rosemary's Baby* is this idea of we're going to take the immaculate conception and twist it on its head. Yes, and it it. It just kind of got me thinking, the Immaculate Conception itself, did Mary consent to having the child of God? Is there doctrine or belief around that? Yes. Like, in theory, the Immaculate Conception, like, I understand the Gabriel came and talked to Mary and whatever. It just, you know what I'm, I'm trying to elude here?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that was supposed to be basically where she agreed to that was in in her conversation with Gabriel beforehand.
1: And uh, we don't have to get into that. I just thought it was curious that, um, you know, Satan can do this, but God does it, but we give him a pass because maybe we had consent. I don't know. It's a different topic, different time. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I also thought what was pretty... Uh I don't want to say liberal, that's not the right word, maybe progressive
0: mm-hmm.
1: was the suicide of Terry, yeah, uh, and how kind of visceral that was that kind of set the scene for a lot of what was to come
2: oh yeah, yeah, it's like it's one of those parts that I just like I don't always remember is in the film until I you know watch yeah. it again and they go, Oh yeah, oh same mm.
1: i also I want to bang all of the old people's heads together because it was just like, oh, she. She was just on drugs, or you know, she was just too sad. She just should have worked. It's like, okay, boomers, hmm. old, oh, old, old boomers. Something else is going on. I
2: mean, this would be what greatest generationers.
1: Oh, I know.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, we we've talked about Mia Farrow absolutely knocking it out of the park, but I mean, every, I mean, these other actors, especially I think the the cast of Vets actors Ruth Gordon and Sydney Blackmer. Oh, they, they also crushed it. I mean, Ruth Gordon got an Oscar for this movie.
1: Yeah, I, I mean...
2: Mio Farrow should have also gotten an Oscar, let's be I real. Agree. But... Yeah. The says, cast of
1: vets, though, were so sweetly innocent and nice that you just hated them. Hated them. Yep. But they did it so well. Um, it was impressive. And I, I think that brings us to another topic that we've alluded to a little bit. Uh, you and I love when horror movies take something wholesome and innocent and kind of twist it. Yeah. Uh, we talk a lot about, like, horror Christmas movies. Uh, this does something similar, but it takes things that are much more kind of personal to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, spouses, uh, elderly, doctors, friends, even our house, our apartment complexes. All of a sudden, we don't know who they are anymore. And how how horrifying is that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I love is that with with Rosemary it it literally strips away just every support system that th- that she thinks she has. And you know, it takes every little piece away from her, which is is really really galling. Like that is the horror of of the, you know, second half of this movie is just watching how you know the the elderly confidants that that you know are almost like uh surrogate parents or grandparents to her are terrible you know and that's after her husband has become terrible and then yeah her doctor she can't even trust her doctor cuz he is also in on it and her friends are being manipulated and she can't trust them and yeah even the place that she lives There are secrets that that she doesn't know about, you know, the the secret doors in the walls and things like that. All of that just like slowly strips away every support system, everything that she can trust, everything that she feels like she can rely on, and and leaves her with nothing. That is truly harrowing. You know, very few movies give us that level of just deconstruction of everything. Everything that is in someone's life.
1: Well, and then also at the same time making us question, is she just crazy? Yeah. Everyone can't be against her. It's not everybody. It's everybody. Uh poor Mia Farrow, poor Rosemary. She had nobody. Yeah. Well, and and what I like too is that,
2: you know, it's not just that like everyone is in on this. Because like some of the people, like some of the friends, for example, aren't part of this cult or anything like that, but instead they're getting manipulated by the people who are in the cult, who are in on it, and you know they're more willing to believe, you know, all of the you know people who are against Rosemary, um, rather than Rosemary. You know, it's it's easier to accept uh, her being crazy than a conspiracy against her, and so even her her friends ultimately turn against her because they're trying to do what they think is the best for her and that is truly upsetting because you know it's one thing to have your enemies against you it's another thing to have your friends working against you even though they're they still have good intentions oh it's just it's so sinister it's so sinister
1: and that is the horror of this film we're going to talk about our screams later on and while it might not be that that gory decapitation that we love to see in hereditary there is something else that gets under your skin and follows you around the rest of the day mm-hmm. i love movies that stick to me after i finish watching them and rosemary baby is is just one of those masterpieces that does that uh you talked a little bit about gaslighting earlier nathaniel anything else you want to kind of say about that we we t- touched about that just now
2: i mean i just I'll I'll just say that I I feel like a lot of times you know gaslighting comes up in a lot of uh, films but like it's it's rarely done with this level of clever subtlety like this is a masterclass on how to write gaslighting and I, I, think- I just, just wish other things could could approach it with this that level of of tact because. So often it just feels so ham-fisted, you know, it's just someone going oh i I uh took my pills this morning. no, you didn't, no, you didn't, you know like like uh, it just it's it's usually that obvious, but with this, it's just like, oh, every little thing is just slowly breaking down all of her uh self belief
1: yeah, I think gaslighting is a, kind of a trigger word right now. A lot of people use this term to describe what is going on in their life. And I don't think a lot of us really understand what gaslighting is Mm -hmm. and how terrible it is. If you want a prime example of what true gaslighting is like, watch Rosemary's Baby. Yep. Uh, I also think a lot of the horror portrayed is just how he treated women in the 60s. Yeah. Like her her husband she just gets raped by the devil she wakes up she's very groggy doesn't know where she is or what's going on and her and Roman had talked about having sex the night before and he's just like yeah you passed out and i just you mean guy we, guy i'm sorry um yeah we we had sex it was like having sex with a corpse you were, it was just it was great for me kind of a yucky yuck and then moving on and it's like wait what are we not gonna talk about that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um and another great example of just how messed up it was, you know, just looking at how, you know, when when Rosemary finally escapes and gets to another doctor, what do they do? They call her husband and they call her doctor, who are both in on the conspiracy. Regardless of her saying do not contact them, they are are, you know, trying to you know take my baby like there there is something sinister they they give her exactly no uh bearing whatsoever and immediately contact the people that she begs them not to yeah you know medical professionals who aren't even you know say oh hey well like can we talk about this and make sure that you're this is coming from a a place of of reality no they just assume immediately oh well if if she's saying her husband is bad then then she's obviously the one who is at at fault here
1: yeah and it, it it's not again she doesn't have the autonomy in this situation at all yep it is oh well she's just pregnant and that's Pregnant people are just crazy.
2: Yep, it just, it's just, you know, female hysteria. No big deal.
1: Ah, it's gross. Mm-hmm. It's gross. People, don't do this. It's terrible.
2: Yeah, that, that's, that's the upsetting thing, is not just that this happens to this fictional character, but how, how close this was to the lived experience to so many real women around this time period you know obviously not to this degree i i hope i pray but you know the fact that you know there are parts of this that were just the, the everyday life of so many people is so sickening
1: <laughs> I, I i was reading an article a few days ago about a group of women who went to the same OBGYN and they when they were pregnant they were getting pap smears and of course doing all of the the pregnancy exams that are required and the doctor definitely sexually molested them several of them mm-hmm. hundreds of them and today the state announced that it was all just part of their medical care and so if we think these these problems these issues are resolved they're not nope um
2: also comes to it, mind the you know doctor who just you know He was supposed to be inseminating women with, you know, uh, either a donor embryo or, you know, uh, a husband's embryo or sorry, sperm, not embryos. I'm clearly I'm tired. No. So, you know. uh, So artificial insemination. um, And yeah, he just was using his own and, you know, just suddenly, you know, technically has just hundreds of children all, all over. Things like that just show us, hey, uh, things have gotten better, but not as much better as we would like it to.
1: <laughs> it, it's it's rough out there. Yep. Especially with our lovely country's legislation on women's bodies. But again, another time, another place. We support you, ladies. Yep. Um, I think another aspect that I really love about Rosemary's Baby is the pacing. So many times, I feel like the pacing of horror ruins films. It is the Achilles heel. And Rosemary Baby, it might be a little hard for new watchers to kind of get through, but the subtle clues and the tension building really keep you engaged. It's about a two-hour film, but you are on the edge of your seat. You're wanting to know what's going on. You're wanting to know what's happening. There's never really a moment where you're going to look at your, your watch, I don't feel.
2: Yeah, it's even though it does have, you know, much more 1960s 1970s kind of pacing, it's so tense you kind of just don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, and As a what comes are. to mind is the scrabble scene where she's trying to figure out this that, you know, Roman Castavet is an anagram for this old-timey devil worshipper and the scrabble pieces fall on the floor and she's trying to figure it out and taking her time and the camera just sits there and it sits there a little bit more and she's playing around with the the scrabble tiles and and then she figures it out like it, it just lets that scene breathe that's realism that's what we would really do we're not gonna Drop a bunch of Scrabble tiles and be like, "Oh, this spells the devil is here."
2: Yeah, it's not a wave of a wand and suddenly it's Tom Marvolo Riddle becomes <clears throat> I am Lord Voldemort. It's a little <laughs> yeah. more complicated than that.
1: A little bit. It, it just it it lets realism take place. Like we've said, it
0: it takes this stuff seriously. Yeah. Should we talk about the ending? Oh my gosh.
1: Nathaniel, the ending is the chef's kiss of this entire film. Yes. The way... So Rosemary, of course, has her baby. The cult takes it away. They convince her that it was a miscarriage. or stillborn, whatever we want to classify it as. She hears the baby, and this is the big reveal. She enters the room, and there's this upside-down crucifix over this black baby's cradle. Little on the nose, Polanski. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But she's horrified. Of course she's horrified. Everyone is cheering, they're celebrating, again, they're gaslighting her, like, oh, she should be so proud, she's the mom. You know, all of this kind of weird mind-fuckery. And then, Rosemary loves her baby. Mm-hmm. The The very end of the scene, she looks at little baby Antichrist, and, and she loves it. She, she starts to cradle it and hold it in her arms, and... Everyone watching is just like, wait, what? No. Wait, what? No. And it, it just,
0: it's perfect. It's so good.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, you just feel, it's, it's, this, it's this perfect combination of, of um, surprising but inevitable, right? Because she spends the whole movie fighting for her baby. So, of course, she loves her baby. Even after everything, but oh, it—you just feel your the bottom of your stomach drop out, and you just go, "Oh
1: no!" It's, it's that perfect scenario. I love it. I love it when horror films don't give you a happy ending mm-hmm. because life doesn't have happy endings sometimes. And so, this is a prime example of just. Being disappointed rosemary couldn't overcome this cult they got her they got her and it's it's tragic and i'm getting a little emotional thinking about it yeah because it's just this final exhalation of well damn we didn't win this time
0: oh it's good it's so good
2: um I love this movie yeah there's basically no cons. It's it's really really freaking good.
1: We put, I mean, we have to put a con because we're critics. Yeah. Uh, the The pacing again. If you're new to horror and you don't appreciate old cinema, it might be hard to get through. Like, it's an older film, sure, whatever, and that might might be distasteful, I guess, to new viewers. If you don't appreciate this film, you're dumb. Do you have any cons, Nathaniel, for
2: the film? I honestly can't think of anything yeah, like maybe yeah, there's a couple scenes that might be slightly too slow, but eh. it it's it's negligible honestly like it's it's a really freaking great movie yeah it it's it's just so good should we should we talk scores
1: absolutely. Um, My scores have changed throughout the course of this discussion. Same. I think this is the second time where we have mirroring scores, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I gave it a five for screams. It's not overly in your face. I didn't want it to be overly in my face. But the horror elements, the tension building, the, the slow burn, and then that final last scene really just... I gave it a five.
2: Yeah, I same. I give it a five. It's it's like one of those movies that I'm on the edge of my seat while I'm watching it, but I'm not scared, but then it just unsettles me for the rest of the day. And and that that is is effective scary, even if it's not, you know, oh my gosh, I'm terrified while I'm watching this movie. Moving on to Crowns, I give this movie a nine. Um really just because it's even though i think this movie is is a masterpiece the only reason it's really not a 10 is that it's just it's it's kind of a hard movie to watch like in in a way that makes me hesitant to rewatch it sometimes um like when i do i i just like revel in how in- incredible it is but uh, i don't know it's just it's it's an experience that I don't necessarily want to put myself through very regularly.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I gave it a 9 for a few different reasons. I, I adore this film. It is a masterpiece in my mind. Similar to what you said, it, it is a little bit hard to rewatch. And you do kind of have to mentally prep for this film. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a film. I mean, you, can, you have to do that with Hereditary. You have to do that with a lot of horror that we love. But the topics that are discussed in Rosemary's Baby stick to you. And they stick to you so heavily that you kind of avoid this film. That you can't it doesn't have a ton of rewatchability. Yeah. Um, and that's not a disservice to it. I think that actually like gives it a lot of cred. Yeah. But there is something that is just missing that I still have not given my, my ten.
2: Yeah, there's, there's just... I don't know, maybe it's just the fact that Roman Polanski made it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. Let, let's throw that there.
2: <laughs> Freaking
1: Roman Polanski. Okay,
2: um, so do you want to hear my thoughts about the novel slash the sequel novel slash uh, the Very Bad miniseries?
1: Yeah I watched, I think half of the miniseries, and if we have to play Smash or Pass, all I'm saying is hard pass. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's fair. Um, yeah, so miniseries uh, came out. What year was that? I, I, I watched it on Hulu, so I mean it can't have been that long ago. 2014:
1: um, Yeah, it was fairly recent
2: yeah um so it was a two-part bidding series uh both parts i guess aired on mother's day um it was had zoe saldana as rosemary um it was just really weird and kind of flat for some reason they changed the location to like paris because i guess they really felt like going to paris um I don't know. There's just like a lot of details that didn't make any sense. They made it in a more modern era, but a lot of things just didn't really add up. It just I don't know. It wasn't very good. Uh don't recommend watching it. And I think that's kind of the universal opinion of it. And and yeah, like just if you're going to watch Rosemary's Baby, watch the movie. Like don't watch one that everyone's kind of phoning it in because I think they just know that they're not going to make anything near as good as the movie
1: it was i think not to give it a pass or anything like that but it was during a time where we were remaking a lot of shit Mm -hmm. um everything was getting a reboot or a remaster and things still are but i think we've kind of figured out the formula a little bit better like you don't have to reinvent the wheel to make it a remaster
2: yeah well and it just it it didn't add anything new to the conversation i think that's the problem is that like
1: and what it did add it was superfluous yeah right like we have a great story with rosemary's baby we don't need it changed or shifted or different yes exactly so okay so the novel switching gears to
2: that um the novel is really good um so it's like i I mentioned earlier it's by ira levin he is a pretty skilled writer um i i quite like um a lot of what I've read by him, uh so you know he also famously uh wrote uh The Setford Wives, uh The Boys from Brazil, I guess before dying, he wrote the play Death Trap, which is a really fun one. You know, overall a, a pretty talented uh suspense writer, um you know, with with dipping his toe in, in horror uh now and again. It's 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 solid. Like if, if you like the movie, you'll like the book. They're I would say it's one of those uh books that was adapted in a way that is you know pretty much just about as faithful and as solid as uh an adaptation as as you could want you know the movie maybe edges it out a little bit just because it's just you know so well delivered in terms of like the performances but yeah like it's it's a it's a great book unfortunately though that book has a sequel called son of rosemary (laughs) Uh, that was written 30 years later, and it basically is just like, oh, hey, um, in 1999, Rosemary wakes up uh, after being in a coma since, you know, 1973. What? Yeah. That's how it starts. Uh, And so now her son, whose name is Andy for some reason... um, is, uh, a leader of some, like, big international, like, charity, and, uh, you know, definitely there's secretly, you know, so, so he's, like, trying to allegedly be good and achieve world peace, and, you know, oh no, the, uh, I, I got away from the cults, and they, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm thwarting their plans for me to be the Antichrist. And then, you know, of course, everything falls apart and Satan shows up and drags Rosemary to hell. And then suddenly Rosemary wakes up in a cold sweat and it's back in the, you know, uh, before she's even ever pregnant. No. And it was all just a a dream no. that, that, that just, you know, of, uh, that maybe it's warning her about some bad things maybe happening in the future. The end. So
1: no. no 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 no.
2: So uh screw that book. It's stupid.
1: I hate that.
2: Yeah, no, uh everyone hated it. It is just the worst.
1: I hate that. That like made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel tension in my body. Yeah,
2: so <laughs> even though I gave Ira Lev uh Levin some, some good compliments, um he definitely was making a quick cash grab that just was dumb for Son of Rosemary. He he clearly phoned that in. But yeah.
1: Well, let's talk about now how we are staying spooky! Yeah, how
2: are you staying spooky?
1: Two things. I recently bought uh, the PS5 version for Last of Us. Ooh. I have never played this game before. I have tried it a lot. I get to the scene where the main character's daughter dies right off in the beginning, and I'm like, mm, nope! too close to home pass but hbo is doing a television show of this which i'm quite excited for and my partner loves this game so much that i finally got through that first moment and i'm really enjoying it so far i don't do well with adventure shooter games i get kind of bored with the mechanics i need magic and swords to keep my attention mm-hmm. But so far, I really like it. They've done a lot of accessibility updates for people who don't like shooting games. Like, if I crouch, I turn invisible, and I don't have to worry so much about sneaking. And whenever I aim my gun, time slows down, which is good. Probably not the right way to play it, but I don't care.
2: Hey, I mean, if it, if you get to experience the story at least, like, that's, that's something. Because, you yeah, know, that game is phenomenal. Um. But also brutally hard. Uh, I love it. Um, In fact, I'm actually playing Last of Us uh, Part 2 in addition to some other games right now. Um, And that one isn't speaking to me quite in the same way, but it's still really freaking good. Um, So yeah, Last of Us. Awesome. I'm glad that you're playing it, even though it is not (laughs) at all a game that I would uh, have pinned you to play.
1: Yeah, I I will play it for about thirty minutes to an hour, and then I shift over to like Skyrim or Elden Ring or one of my other fantasy film or games. That tracks. Uh, But also, Mark and I went and saw Pearl while we were in Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be my first ten. Interesting. This film blew my socks off. It's very similar and akin to Rosemary's Baby, where the premise is incredibly simple. But the cinematography, the acting, and just kind of the horror and tension that builds through the entire show to this, like, the scariest part is the credits, like the credit role. There's a, a scene that they are played on top of that just, oh, it's a work of art. So good. So good. Well, I need to see it. It's, I, I want to talk to you about it so bad, but you do need to watch X first, I think. X is less good, Mm -hmm. but it gives you a lot of context about who this character is and what eventually happens with them. Okay, So it it kind of... I don't think it's a 10 because of that failure. Does that make sense? Like, you need to know before you understand. Okay. So, anyway, throwing that out there. Pearl, fantastic. Uh, We also saw Barbarian while we were in Disneyland, and I also have a lot of feelings about that one.
2: Another episode. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. So I've been staying spooky mostly with a lot of literature lately. Um, So spooky might not be the right word for this first thing, but uh, Stephen King just dropped a new book called Fairy Tale. Um, And at least nothing spooky has happened in it yet uh, to the point that I'm at. I'm about a fifth of the way through the book. But... Even though not that much has happened, it's very good, and I like it a lot, so I'm very excited to see where it goes. Another book I read recently, uh I actually uh, listened to it on audiobook, uh, is a book called Just Like Mother. Though not perfect, it was a lot of fun. It was very creepy. Uh, I'll just say it's a book that involves uh, cult uh, background and a lot of weird, um, robotic baby dolls and, uh, leave it at that. If, if that, if those two things sound interesting to you, um, maybe give that a, 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 a listen or a, a read.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a
2: weird teaser. I know.
1: Yeah, but I kind of love it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I would say that there are some things that I you know definitely have some qualms about, but as a whole, it was a fun, fun read. It was pretty tense, and uh you know, as a whole, I think a lot of our uh, listeners might in uh, quite enjoy the read. Okay, well, I guess we should wrap things up.:
1: Yes, thank you, everyone again. It's been a wonderful five. spooky tack stick years. Uh, we will be around for probably another five years. I wonder what horror we'll be talking about in five years. I'm
2: so excited to find out.
1: The remake of fergully That's my guess.
2: Yes. <laughs> Hexus will really, really terrify. <laughs>
1: oh, Hexus is spooky. Indeed. All right, everyone. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Need even more, Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Pod. You could also email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You could also support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash ScreenKings. Stay spooky.